Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Lift Effect podcast. I'm Carl Keller, your host, along with Matt McNeil, the engineering scientific guru of the day. And you'll understand that in a second. How the heck are you, I'm buddy? I'm awesome, man. I'm good. We're, uh, hey. we're, we're, we're finally have summer here. So, because, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't be a podcast if you and I didn't talk about the weather a little bit. Yeah. We, it's yeah. become our thing, it's our jam. <laughs> well, it's, it, I had some rain, and um, uh, that means that my grass will stay semi green a little bit longer. <laughs> before it turns brown yes and goes dormant well hopefully that rain isn't uh, stranding pilots you know i hope not either (laughs) (laughs) inside joke guys um hey i gotta tell you um our last podcast boy did it's it definitely generated a response pretty funny and i'm i'm gonna be the first to say um, I love what we talk about, and I love the fact that sometimes we really don't even know where it's going to take us. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't sure if we had gone a little bit deeper than our audience would be interested in, you know, I, even though it's very interesting, you know, it's something that I, is that something where we want to go? Well, I will tell you, holy geez. Um, let me see here. Some of the things. Your podcast, boy, this episode really scared me. Now, I'm not sure what that meant, but somebody got scared. Um, mm-hmm. Another was uh, a very insightful comment, mm-hmm. and, I, and I figure you can um, elaborate on it, yep. where it was talking about engineering versus scientific mm-hmm. and how an awful lot of pilots mm-hmm. are have an engineering background or a strong foundation in that, mm-hmm. and that how that could create a sense of inflexibility yeah you know um and then we also uh people were talking about bias and mm-hmm. how the misinterpretation so uh we weren't planning on having this as a multi uh, um episodic topic but it definitely really the audience was interested mm-hmm. so uh hopefully uh you're gonna enjoy us continuing to delve this subject because it definitely seems to have caught the attention of a lot of our viewers mm-hmm. and listeners. So I'm going to throw that at you. I really liked the uh, comment about the engineering versus scientific and mm-hmm. how it causes inflexibility. That was a, yeah. that was a, a kind of a, uh, an insightful comment. I want to kind of lob that one at you first mm-hmm. and see where you want to take with that. Cause that yeah. was, that, that's pretty interesting observation. So I agree. I thought that was really good. There was good feedback. Let me just touch on the fear piece. Somebody said this, you know, uh, I, I, your podcast listening to this made me anxious 
and fearful. I thought that would, it didn't elaborate though what that means. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think reading, I think science can feel scary and I think studies can feel scary. And the whole goal of us talking about this is that I think it's easy to, you know, read the USA Today or the New York Times or whatever paper you read and they go, here's a study that shows that um, drinking coffee is going to kill you or whatever it is. And then people, it creates this hysteria. And what most people don't do is they don't then click on the actual study and say, and read through and go, well, is that, a, is that actually what the study said? Or is that journalist just grabbing a, a headline out of it or a, a little chunk of it and saying, oh, it says this. And it's like, there's no context involved. So, yep. so, or the study says, yes, drinking coffee leads to early death. And then you look at the design of the study and you realize, well, this is a junk. This was not even, this was, there was no rigor at all to this thing. So the goal of this is just to my, what I was telling Carl in the little pre-show here was I, it would be great if we could give you all just a, enough of a couple of quick gouges on how to look at a study and be able to make a couple of key determinants of whether this was good science or maybe not so good science or whether what level of rigor it actually was and what you can then infer from it. That's the goal of this. Mm -hmm. So the, I think the, but I think the fear thing is real. I think science is, can be really scary in how things are presented and saying, here's a study that shows this. And then it create, Oh, everybody's, you know, oh my God, this is, uh, you know, it's the end of the world. And it's like, well, hold on though. Maybe, maybe that's not exactly true. You well, know. look at all the different studies that come out. Oh, too much coffee will, will, is, will kill you or cause cancer. Oh, right. No, coffee's good for you. Eggs are bad. Eggs right. are good. It, and it's like, holy geez, how can all these studies be wrong and right at the same time? Right. You know, and like you say, it's going to that next level and looking at it. Yeah. Because figures lie and liars figure. That's right. So to speak. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and I think it, it can show, you know, st some studies or science can show multiple factors, you know, of whether, so that, that, that was the point. So, but yes, the one comment that really I thought was very astute in terms of high safety, high liability, high reliability environments uh, for, you know, which is what this podcast is really for, or it's for people that work in those environments, mostly pilots, because Carl and I are a couple of pilots, but there's also physicians and there's uh, first responders. There's a couple of cops that have reached out that have found um, that listen to the podcast that, that like it, that think it's really uh, speaks to them, which is cool. Even attorneys, yeah. you know, so that, that's, that's well, awesome. We've had quite a few entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, people that got to wear multiple hats and are yep. in risking a lot. One of the comments that somebody had said was a, it was a pilot that has a background in aerospace engineering, is a commercial airline pilot, and he had said basically to I'll just sort of summarize. Uh, not this is not verbatim for quote because I don't have his email in front of me, but it was um, hey, very very interesting, you know, uh, comment you made about that engineering is is much more concrete where science is not and engineering in some respects is is much more tangible because there's just factors that are kind of known whereas science is looking at factors that are not known and trying to understand those things and that as pilots we sometimes can become rigid and part of it is just because we have SOP and we have 
regulations that it's you know you cannot uh, you can't even do a checklist out of sequence <laughs> you know and there's a reason for that there's a good reason why we do it that way but it can lead to rigidity and in in some respects and that kind of mindset of the pilot sometimes becomes not helpful is this it's it's black it's white it's got to be this way where some things aren't black and white they're gray there's various shades and i thought that was just a really astute comment and i would want to follow up with this listener and i'll follow up with all of you is well how do you think this negatively impacts our job that would be a good follow-up question so if anybody's got any uh comments or just please email them in how do you think rigidity negative i mean there's rigidity is good in terms of getting checklists uh, following checklists following procedures um having memory items knowing what what to do and when and in what order that's that i think we could make a good argument that that's a good thing because the history shows when that's not there it's actually quite a bad thing but how do you think that rigidity negatively impacts our our uh, our operating environment and even just in, in terms of our psychology rigidity is the kiss of death rigidity is what leads to almost every at some level what leads is a huge factor in what leads to mental health problems whether it's depression or anxiety or obsessive compulsive or um you know all of the different spectrum of anxiety and uh, mood disorders rigid psychological rigidity is is a huge factor in that and one of the 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 types of psychological uh, interventions that i heavily use is something called act which is acceptance and commitment therapy i love it because it's flexible it can be used in a clinical setting it can be used in a coaching setting it can be used in an executive coaching setting in a life coaching setting in in athletics it's this really flexible model but one of the things that it gets at is um it the the foundation of act is psychological flexibility how do we build more psychological flexibility so that we can navigate the the complications of being alive that i think that was a uh, a really great comment and i'm posing a question to our audience well what what are your thoughts on that how do you think that this leads to uh, problems as for for pilots um, we, i can tell you in our personal life how it leads to, leads to problems but i'm more even more interested in our operating environment how does rigidity become problematic so that's without getting into that uh cuz i want to see what comes back i want to get the feedback on that so we can answer the right questions around that or at least attempt to but let's if we can let's go back into studies for a moment and i think one thing had come up i had even mentioned it i think before but maybe we could delve into bias can we do that is that a good place sure. to start should we do bias yeah. Yeah. so um the way I think of bias is I think of there's two kinds of uh, well there's multiple types of bias but there's two categories. What are some scientific bias? And especially in terms of scientific studies, what are the biases when you're looking at a study? Is it biased or not? And secondly, is what are just our our personal biases? So before we get into science, let's just get into personal biases just for a second. We'll touch on that. But so let's define what bias is. But bias is I think the simplest way to define bias would be er would be an error. A bias is an error or a a, a veering off from um truth. And that can occur 
at any point and at any process. It, it can occur in a research process. It can occur in um, uh, in our thinking. It can occur in how we're interpreting our perception of things. And so from a personal point of view, there's some main biases. I'm going to cover seven, I think. I think there's seven biases that I just can remember off, off the top of my head. And we can look these up. If we want to get deep into it, Carl, just say, let's go deeper. And then I'll, I'll pull up some stuff on this. But the first one is, um, I, I think of confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is our tendency to seek out, to interpret, to try to remember information in a way that just confirms our beliefs, which we all do all the time, right? I know, I know I'm right. So I'm going to look for evidence to support my position or my, my, let's go a little scientific, my hypotheses uh, and disregard, or I'm going to downplay any sort of contradictory evidence that does not support my position. I need to be validated. Got to be validated. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I know I'm right. I'm going to look for anything that supports my position. And I refute anything that doesn't. I just, I ignore it out of hand. Yes. So an example would be, I remember, and I'll, I'll skip, it's not to get political, but big thing I saw in our at lift effect with pilots during COVID was masks are stupid. Masks are great. Vaccines are bad. Vaccines are great. And then what everybody would do is they would, and I was just like, look, I'm not here to, uh, I can just tell you the science that I know, but you've all got to make your decisions how you want to, you know, whatever you got to do what you got to do. But what they would do is they would send me pilots, would be like, they would send me all these clippings <laughs> that supports their position. And it was like, okay, well, this is what this paper said and this paper said, and this paper said, and this paper said it was none of it was scientific, right? On both sides that they would send me. Uh, and, but it would only support their position. It was only looking at people that supported their position. They would never send me a contradictory clipping, right? So that is an example of confirmation bias. So it's, 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 we tend to ignore information that challenges, that challenges us. Second, uh, kind of bias is availability bias. This, this bias happens when I think when people are, are relying, um, heavily on information that is that's just readily available to them or that comes easily to mind when you're making judgments or, or decisions on something. And it can lead people to overestimate the importance or likelihood of events or situations or whatever it is that they're, they're delving into that, that are just more memorable or more salient, even if they don't represent any sort of significance, statistical significance. So that's availability you- bias. Would you put experiences in that yeah. category where that's yeah. all I know? I know that yeah. and it works. So that, that must be the, you know, like that's a way to do it. Yep. That, that certainly can lead into availability bias or what is just most, re- you know, and then there you get into like readiness, exercise, effect, primacy, intensity, recency, like how we learn stuff. So availability bias is absolutely part of that. Then you have anchoring bias. Um, anchoring is this tendency to, to, like rely on the first piece of information that's encountered. It's like, think about like you're dropping the anchor. Uh, and this initial anchor, again, back to the laws of learning, how we learn, this initial thing, this initial piece of information can then just influence all your subsequent assessments. Even if it's 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 arbitrary or if it's totally irrelevant, 
to the decision that's at hand. You know, people might insufficiently just like adjust away from the initial anchor, which then leads to biased judgment. So that's anchoring bias. Overconfidence bias, so I think that's one, two, three, four. Overconfidence bias is this tendency to um, overestimate our own abilities, our own knowledge, our own judgments. Could this be a problem with pilots? Never. Never. I'm a pilot. Never. So, I mean, you know, so people have excessive confidence in their own beliefs uh, or predictions. And then that leads to errors in decision making or just a, a like a maybe a reluctance or uh, an outright refusal to consider alternative viewpoints or information. So that's overconfidence. Then you have confirmation bias. It's this, we just seek out or interpret information in a way that confirms one's, you know, their pre-existing beliefs or hypotheses. Got that one. Yep. Then you have uh, hindsight bias. Hindsight bias is it's, it's, we perceive past events as more predictable or obvious than than they were at the time. And so after you learn about some kind of outcome, people might like exaggerate their ability to, to have predicted accurately. And then there's one more. Oh, what is the last one? Uh, stereotyping. We've hit, stereotyping. We've hit five because you did confirmation we've, twice. Uh, no, I did conf. Oh, confirmation. You're right. I did. I did. I'm sorry. So five. So then, uh, stere- stereotyping is is the last kind of. I'm thinking interpersonal bias. Actually, there's one more. I just thought of. Yeah. Um, so stereotyping is when people rely on preconceived stereotypes. Or generalizations we could talk about what stereotypes are but uh, about a, it's usually about a particular group or category of people when making judgments or assumptions about people within that group and and what i mean the problem with stereotypes is they they lead to unfair judgments they can lead to prejudices and outright they can lead to discrimination and so that that's and then the last one is the halo effect which is the t- the tendency to generalize a i guess favorable or unfavorable impression of a person or group based on one positive or one negative trait or characteristic so you have a bad interaction with a flight attendant oh, all flight attendants are bad or a bad interaction with a pilot and all pilots are bad or so on and so forth so that's that's the halo effect the the one how i would equate that is that often we're it's not that the message is bad it's just that you shoot the message because of the messenger, right? You know, so so somebody somebody or something may be very valid, but because of a bad experience or an excessively good one, you're now giving more credence or no credence to something that should have been right. more so well, because of that. I mean, and, and here's another another way to think about it too, is that like if people are physically attractive, then a lot of people, there's a halo effect. So you assume that they're intelligent or that they're, that they're kind or that they're giving or, you know, it's you like, want them to be right. So my, my ex brother-in-law, he's uh black. He's got dreads, he's big guy, tattoos ripped. And, but he's from, he, he, he's from England. And so you get pulled over by the cops, which Look, he'd come out and visit. He'd always get pulled over. So I don't care whether you say it's biased or not, but he'd get pulled over. because And he looks like, you know, he's kind of scary dude. Um, but then he would open his mouth and this very proper British would come out. And you would see like the, 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 the level of tension would just drop. Oh, he sounds really smart. 
it's just educated. It's educated, educated, which you know, articulate, articulate, because he's got a British accent, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so that look, this ha- and look, that's the reason why people on the news are typically very good looking, and they've got the because there's the, it it instills confidence and trust, and it's trustworthy, right? I mean, um, so but that's that's a halo effect. So here's what I want you to do. This is for those of you that waste your time on Facebook. Go watch an argument where people get into this tit for tat nonsense. Everybody's got an opinion. Uh, and it's so funny because every single comment, uh, nearly every single comment that somebody puts on there is confirmation bias, is anchoring bias, is availability bias, is stereotyping, is hindsight, is it has a halo effect. And you could just sit there and be like, okay, so that statement that you said, that's biased with this. Okay, and that actually is biased. With the, I mean, it's just like, it just shows the absurdity of these like banters back and forth where everybody's an expert. Okay, so that is the um, types of personal, and I'll say this, we all have some of this at times. We do, and when you become really mindful, so I'm thinking like, let's think about science, science now. We're trying to kind of veer into, what does this have to do with science? Science is about the exploration and openness of being wrong. That's what science is. Science is not about being right. Science is about being wrong. And if you're not willing to look at biases, you're not going to get very far in terms of experimentation. You're not going to be open. If you're not allowing yourself to be wrong and being and monitoring where you're being wrong, where your bias is coming in, you're not going to, there's, there's very little uh, uh, evolution that's going to come out of that. And so I think it's okay to, to have your biases and be aware of them. And it doesn't, you know, nobody's perfect. These things are here because this is human behavior and there's all sorts of influences that, that happen and reasons why we become biased. And it's, it's not about saying I'm never biased, just being aware of when you are, you're like, you know what? I think I'm, I'm getting into a bit of hindsight here, or I think I've got a halo effect here on this, or I'm stereotyping a little bit. And and when you become aware of that, it allows you to sort of like, let that go and discover maybe something new. I, I agree. I mean, too often it starts, it skews your perspective and your expectations and can lead you down a very bad path mm-hmm. because of of either your prior experiences and saying well that's the way it's always been so that's the way it's going to be and 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 not not looking at the fact that that things are very rarely exactly the same there are changes and to be aware of it and and things do evolve and i agree with you that we i think part of it is always to self examine and go is am i looking at this through clear lenses or if I got my rose colored ones on and I'm seeing and doing or believing what I want to believe, not what is. And that's a very dangerous thing is we often want to believe something so bad. It's kind of like on a date and they're attractive. You want to believe that that person is all these things and you will, will intentionally overlook they, red flags, yep. things that are going. This is not the kind of person. Not because they're bad. It's just you're not gonna, you're not gonna connect with everybody. But because in this case they're physically attractive, you're yep. willing to overlook so many things. And then down the road you go, well, 
how come I never saw them? Or what happened? She used to be this, or he used to be that when it was there all along, you just weren't willing to open your eye aperture and go, what am I really looking at? And you're right. It's a, it's very, we, we all are are susceptible to that and it it never stops. Yep. It's It's a constant reevaluation. And maybe a way to apply this for our community. I know there's a lot of people going through contract negotiations and it's people are really upset and really stressed. Maybe try to approach some of the proposed changes uh, from the lens of, okay, where are my biases coming in about whether this is good or whether this is bad? Are there some of my biases happening here? And it'll allow you to see things in a different lens, maybe in terms of how your company's hiring or expanding or contracting or how they're cha- how they're doing training or how they're, you know, changes to the FOM in some respects. It's like, it's, it's very easy to get biased about whether something you're deeming something as, as, as correct or incorrect and becoming aware of your biases allows you to see with a, a more clear lens of whether a change is going to have the effect that it's intended to or not. When you're talking about all this thing, all these things, I think one of the most important things and, and people have probably heard this so many times, but it's, it's bears repeating. And that is do your own due diligence. Mm-hmm. Don't accept things at a face value. The information is out there. And when somebody says something, don't just accept it as a fact. If you, you know, do your own research because just because somebody said it doesn't make it true. Like just because it's on the internet or in Wikipedia doesn't make it true. Right. Do your, do your own due diligence so that the decisions and the, and the beliefs you come with are yours, not someone else's that you've just, uh, inherit or you know accepted yep i totally agree 100 100 okay so let's get into science now what are the biases biases when you're looking at a scientific study or you're reading about something that was that was science i'm using air quotes here what are biases that can happen in there and again it's just a bias is is, is an error uh that that and it usually happens not only in our interpretation, it, but it can happen even in the research process that can affect validity and reliability of a, uh, a study's findings. And so maybe we should clarify validity and reliability. Should we do that? Sure. I, th- I, th- I think that's probably good. Um, so they're different. So you hear people say, well, it's, there's reliability, there's validity. Re- validity refers to the extent to which a study measures what it intends to measure and that it, it captures what you're trying to measure in the investigating. So if you're measuring, uh, does if Matt drinks coffee, does it change his eye color? And what, what comes out is you're measuring that, well, it actually changes uh, how long his fingernail grows. That you, there's a problem with the validity. You're, you're not capturing what you were trying to measure in the experiment, which is the, the eye color. And that happens all the time. And some of that is there's good like, oh, hey, that's a good new experiment <laughs> to, to, you know, like that's a, hap- a happy accident. Let's maybe, maybe there's something interesting here, but that original hypothesis is it's the null is supported. It did not capture what you were looking at. So that's what. Un- sometimes unintended uh, breakthroughs that you weren't expecting, but it wasn't the, in- like you said, the initial intent of that uh, experiment or study. That's right. It's uh- so high validity means it's that's there's there's credible tr- you can trust the results 
and that it that it it, it accurately represents the intended re, uh, research topic. And so there's there's types of validity. There's internal validity, which is that's looks at the degree to which a study's findings can be attributed to the variables being studied, uh, rather than like there's confounding uh, factors that sometimes we call those confounding variables or alternative explanations. There's external validity, which refers to how, gen how can you generalize this uh, to the, the general population or to other populations. So you could have a little study of like, there's, you know, five people with, uh, you know, they drink coffee and it does show that there's a change in eye color. Um, but let's say all those people were Italian American. Well, does that, does that apply to Irish Americans or to African Americans or to Hispanic populations. That's that's what external validity is. How how much does it apply to other populations? There's construct validity, which examines whether the um, the measurements or um, do they do they like do they represent the theoretical constructs uh, being investigated? So there's so much to go into. And then there's content validity. Yada yada yada. Okay, so that's validity. What's reliability? Reliability is is the consistency, the stability, the repeatability of the research findings, which is why good studies are, you repeat them. And they're not, one study could be like, okay, it showed this, there was, you know, good alpha power, good statistical significance, but you want to be able to do the study again and again. And, and good study, good research is, yeah, it's been, it's been shown to have scientific reliability. They did a hundred studies where they repeated it and it was, came out with the same conclusions. If you do one study and then you do another one and it shows the total opposite, okay, well, you might have good uh, um, good validity, but the reliability is not as is not as good. So it's got to be reliable. It's the it's the credibility and trustworthiness. And then there's types of reliability. There's test retest. Um, there's inter-rater reliability. Um, there's uh, internal consistency reliability. There's a, a bunch more. We won't dark dark out about that. So okay. I do have one question yeah. though. Would there be such a thing as peer reliability? I you're the one you're doing all these different things. The ability for someone else to replicate it doing those same things would that be also a kind of reliability and validity? I think I I think that there's well in let's talk about like I think you're kind of getting at inter-rater reliability. Inter-rater reliability. Sure. That's why I'm just it, wondering yeah, if it's just because you do it, if no one else can replicate it, even if they're, you know. So yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I like I like that question. I didn't. I've never thought of it like that. So when when you have a study, you have people that rate, um, and or observe the study. Now, obviously, these have to be. You want people that are trained in how to relate, how to rate, and how to observe. You don't just grab a guy off the street and be like, hey, come on in and observe, right? I mean, he may not know how to observe correctly with while keeping his biases under control and understanding the scientific process. But it, it's that type of reliability measures whether there's consistency between raters. There's consistency between observers. And it's assessed, um, there's a there's a, a technique called Cronbox Alpha, which measures the correlation between different items in a scale which is very important, very, very important that you have this. And this gets into the types of instruments that we use to, to interpret the statistics or the, the study to create statistics. I think that would be the peer piece. 
And this is even why journals are peer, they're journals that are peer reviewed journals, meaning you take the best scientists in a field, not just from one institution, but many institutions, and then you have all of them read through and analyze, okay, is this, is there good validity? Is this reliability? Is there good reliability? What's the strengths? What's the weakness of this? And then they kind of opine their interpretations of this. That would be, I think, the pure piece that, that you're referring to. But that's a, never really thought of thinking of it like that. But that is uh, peer, professional peers. So right. that's what I was referring to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's the types of biases when you're looking at a, a, a scientific study. Selection bias. And this happens when the, uh, a, a selection of study participants is not represented of the target population, or it, it there could be factors that are are um, you know related to the outcome that's that's being studied. So, for example, if if you have what would be a selection bias? Well, uh, to me, where you're kind of predetermined. To me, a predetermination would be, or where you're you're kind of setting yourself up as an example historically from. Um, the, the Nordic countries, you're going to have right. a more a higher preponderance of blue eyes and blonde hair. Right. And if that's all you're selecting from, you know, you're going to skew your results potentially, definitely compared right. if you grab them from another part of the world. Right. So you're, you've, 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 you've kind of predetermined by narrowing your selection rather than doing a cross section, you're yeah. selecting a segment. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's what I think of. Yeah. Here's, here's an example too. Like, Let's say, and we're going to we're gonna have a guest that's coming. Our first podcast uh, interview is coming up. I'm not going to tell you who it is because you'll find out soon. Well, you know who it is, but, uh, but, but he's a scientist, very well, well-known scientist in this area. And he's looking at pilots, you know, uh, pilots in healthcare and, and this and that. And like, if you take a group of pilots and you're like, okay, let's look at how often they go to the doctor or not, that doesn't apply to the general population. Because there's factors that influence that with that particular group. So that might be show, you know, there's validity and reliability within the pilot population, but you can't really assign it to the general population because there's all these other confounding variables. So you, you wouldn't say like, well, we took a group of pilots and so that's what the population is like. That's what the rest of the world is like. There is a selection bias if that's what you interpreted that as. So that's the first piece. Sampling bias um, which is very much like selection bias and that it, it happens when the sample used in a study is not representing the, the target population. And so th this, this can happen because of non-random sampling uh, or self-selection bias where individuals choose to participate in a study. Uh, they differ systematically from those who don't. So sampling bias, you got to be very careful that when you're designing a study that you're not Look, you can have those biases, but you have to acknowledge them in terms of the, the results. So you got to be careful with that. Then there's measurement, which uh, measurement bias, which is like if the, the way that you're measuring something or the way that you're collecting data is flawed, that would then lead to inaccurate observations or incomplete observations. And it can, this can happen because of uh, observer bias, maybe the observer's expectations influence their measurements. It can be uh, uh, social desirability bias, where participants respond in a way that they perceive is socially desirable. This is why when we talk about double blind, it means not only are the participants blind, 
so are the observers. They're blind. That's why you don't want to, it's, it, all of this is to eliminate bias. That's the point. So that's measurement bias. And then there's reporting bias, which means that, that you know, what you choose, it's cherry picking what you choose. For, and I see, oh, you're nodding your head, right? Because you see, we see this all the time. And this is what journalists do is they cherry pick stuff out of studies and they go, see, coffee's bad for you. And it was like, well, that, that, that may be one data point within the study, but you're misrepresenting actually what that says. Talk to me. Yeah, literally. You yeah. Like yeah. you say, uh, I said earlier, it's, you know, figures, lying, liars, figures. Yeah. You're, you are taking something out of context that says, see, that proves my point. Well, read the rest of the sentence, read the paragraph. That's right. And then you're going to realize in many cases, it says the exact opposite, you know, when it puts all, all the context. So the, you're right. That is, to me, is one of the worst things because people are selecting whatever it is that they feel like will prove their point, regardless of what the intent of the actual full um, wording in this case or data would lead you to believe. That's right. I'm just picking this one little piece to say, see, this causes cancer. Right. See, this is going to cause accidents. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, you can have a greater uh, chance of having an airline accident, you know, mm -hmm. aircraft accident because of this. Well, look at the whole thing. Is that really what it's saying? Right. So, yes. And sometimes people will say to me, man, like, well, I read these journals are so stupid. Why do they publish studies that showed no significance? Well, because researchers, if if researchers are, are only likely to publish studies with positive or significant results, while studies with negative or non-significant findings go unpublished, that's a problem, right? So you don't want researchers cherry picking like, well, I mean, yep. and guess who does this? Who's the, the worst offenders of this? Pharmaceutical companies. Uh -huh. They will publish, only publish the studies that showed that where there was significance with the drug, but they didn't show you the 300 studies that showed that there was no significance or it was no better than placebo, which is just drives me crazy. But that's, you know, yep. when, when, when the, you know, who's funding the study when, when the, the company that's doing the study is also funding the study. That's a big problem, which is why universities, you get NIH grants and you get grants from different places where it's not the institution that's funding the study. It's some other party. So there's not this conflict of interest. So that's reporting bias. And then when you think about when you publish, there's publication bias, which is just like reporting bias refers to, um, journals and researchers might be more inclined to publish studies with statistically significant findings while studies that support the null or that are negative results they just they just go go unpublished right so that you don't report it you don't publish it and then confirmation bias researchers um you know they they have these expectations about the outcome and then they which leads to like you know more selective uh, interpretation or attention or reporting of results that align with their expectations funding believe it or not there's funding bias so financial interests um again look at pharmaceuticals they're the easy target to blame but but even think about an aviation research i mean do, do you want boeing doing the study an airbus <laughs> you know I, I you know so um that that's there, there's a risk that it's going to influence design and how it's collected and how it's analyzed and how they report the results we all know what we're talking about here this becomes a problem and then there's time or period bias this is the last one i'll do time bias uh, i have go, go ahead go ahead no no finish your finish your, so uh, time bias is 
So like as things change, like societal norms, technology, maybe environmental conditions uh, over time, that might confound the relationship that's being investigated. And so that's what that's what time buys is. And it's not not one of the bigger ones you really need to be thinking about. But but anyways, okay, I loaded you with a ton of stuff. If you're looking at studies, you want to look at time, you want to look at confirmation, funding bias, publication bias, uh, selection bias, sampling bias, those kinds of things. You want to look out for those those types of things. I want to throw one at you that just while you were talking, it came to my mind and it may be included somewhere else. But um, I've always thought of science in large part being the process of elimination. Like yeah. you say, all all the things that don't work, ultimately, I've always said, once you've eliminated everything that doesn't work or isn't, right. what's left must be what is. Right. But one of the things that I would call is elimination bias. You you uh, remove something because, oh, that won't work. So you've automatically mm. removed, a, 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 without even testing to find out whether it could actually be uh, uh, validated, you've automatically assumed because it, Oh, I, they won't. It's not that. Boom. So I've always felt like uh, be careful what you eliminate and make sure. Big you know, time. Big yeah, time. So that's why I say I don't know if elimination biases fits anywhere else, but I think that can be a very dangerous one. And 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 it happens in real world with us every day, with uh, the most, the best place, and that's relationships. Yes. You know. Yes. So I just well, thought I'd throw that out there. You got to be careful, and that's a really good point. We can even. Man, I want to do this like a five-part series now. But there's <laughs> there's errors. I mean, errors Oops. in science is is really can be there are there are better errors to have than not than not good. I mean, what you don't want is an error that says, and this can think about it like if you're testing dr a drug, like a chemotherapy drug or a, a, a drug to save somebody's life, and you say, you know what, the drug has no effect when the drug actually does. That is a very dangerous type of error. And some people think it's more dangerous to say the drug works when it actually doesn't. I, I think in in terms of what we're talking about, we could talk about aviation safety, but I think it's just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, to say there is no significance when there actually is. So these types of errors, and we could get into the, to that at some point. So errors are are dangerous. Now, look, the point of this is not for you to go, every science study is BS because there's all of these types of issues that could happen. A good scientific experiment accounts for all of these types of biases, all of these types of errors, and designs it around, you know, has a, a correct experimental design to eliminate those types of issues. So don't think, oh my God, everything is BS. No, no, no. Good science. So we're, again, the, the topic was what is good science? Good science knows this stuff, knows this and, and builds a design and selects and, and creates all of it, all of the, the, the metrics and factors around the study to eliminate these types of issues. So don't be paranoid. <laughs> Even though they are out to get you. <laughs> They're going to get you. <laughs> um, well, I think we've come to the end of this part of this uh, definitely very in-depth um, uh, question that we started with uh, on our last podcast. Um, before I finish it up, do you? Uh, what's the takeaway for today? I think I just said it. Don't don't. That a good science is going to allow you to 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 feel that this has been accounted for and that they've looked at this. And that's why I think going with 
you know, where it's funded and, and who are the researchers and what is their level of training matter. This stuff really does matter in terms of knowing how to design a study and you can see the complexities of it. So don't be paranoid, just make sure it's reputable and that it's coming from an, you know, a fairly neutral place. And you could say, Oh, it's all fixed and it's all rigged, but I can't help you with that. But I think that's, that's, that's the point is good science has this type of rigor built into it. That's it. Well, we've come to that time of the episode on everyone where we ask you to please let everybody know about us. There are so many other things that compete for people's time. And uh, we appreciate the fact that you're willing to spend about 45 minutes of your time listening to us. Please leave reviews, send more comments. As you can see, we take the comments very seriously. Um, we want to expand our audience. Uh, so thumbs up, review us, rate us, get the word out. We really appreciate it. All comments go to uh, podcast at lifteffect.com. We appreciate you. You're the reason we're here. Until next time, have a great day and a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect Podcast. If you want to dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect, a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance related issues. Visit lifteffect.com, that's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T.com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.